This is the Mini Market Podcast. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. This week we've got a three man weave. I am Dalton with Lucas and Connor. Isaiah was grounded, so hopefully he'll be back next week when he gets his cell phone back. Fellas, how are we doing? Doing swell. It's a nice spring, brisk spring in Minnesota here. A nice balmy 28 degrees and sunny. So, you know, shorts weather. Show off the calves. All of that. Yep. Yep. Uh, no snow on the ground where I'm at. So spring just around the corner. Spring sports season coming up for high schools and colleges. There's a new smell in the air. Uh, manure from where I'm at. But, uh, you know, it depends kind of where you're at. But it's getting warmer and we're getting happy about it. So speaking of happy, Wild fans, across the nation happy as the Wild trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, the legendary goaltender. Connor, are you doing backflips? I think it's really exciting. I, I'm, I'm super, super pumped to have Marc-Andre Fleury. I think it's one of those guys where I think it's safe to say a lot of goaltenders growing up, which I wasn't one of them, but goaltenders growing up probably like looked up to him, emulized his game, um, and like really thought highly of, of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's a Hall of Fame goaltender. Uh, we'll see how much he's got left in the tank. One big piece of this trade that I thought was funny was, <clears throat> and I was talking to, uh, to Ike about this, was that there was a headline that came out that says Marischal, um, like the best player for the Golden Knights, warns, um, warns Wild about Andre Fleury. And then, like, so it looks kind of like a bad headline, right? And you're, you look at it instantly, and you're like, oh, man, what are we getting ourselves into? And the whole article is basically just about like Marshall's like you, this is, he's my favorite teammate I've ever had, but boy, is he a menace in the locker room. Like he said, make sure you, you know, keep extra pairs of, of, uh, of, of laces in your locker and make sure you get to practice early enough to relace your skates and like watch, keep an eye on your sticks and all kinds of stuff. Just a menace with gear. And um, I think that's funny. I think that's a big part of hockey. I think, um, I think everyone who played sports that was in a locker room type of sport probably has you know a story or two to tell about about um, some shenanigans that went on in there. And that's kind of where I'm going to pivot this. Overall, I love the trade. I think it it could be a huge positive for us. But I'm most excited of the personality of Mark Andre Fleury. The only concern I have is I showed my wife a picture of him and she's like, well, he's handsome. Mm. So you just got to keep Look our out. distance. Just got to keep our distance. And I would suggest anybody out there, do not show your significant other a picture of him because he is pretty good looking. So with that said, um, any good locker room stories for you boys? I've got uh, one that comes to mind back from our, our college baseball days. Um it actually, I mean, I was there, obviously, but Ike was the one uh, that it really happened to. Um, I was certainly involved, but it's bummer he's not here to tell it because I'm sure he would do a better job. But essentially, we had, you know, remember the big yellow laundry bins when we were in the in the hockey locker rooms, right? Um, someone, well, it was big campus golf, you know, springtime, people were playing campus golf. For those of you that don't know, it's basically you hit a tennis ball and make anything a hole around wherever. So we decided to, you know, have a little chipping practice into the 
the laundry bin from one end of the locker room to the other, which is, you know, I don't know, say 50 feet or whatever the, the chip was. And the funny part about it was Isaiah was in uh, another teammate's Timberlands. Um, he was in just his sliding shorts. And then I think he was wearing like his jersey, if I remember correctly. Which was and, a staple for him, by the way. Yeah, to just, just like the, the compressions look. and the jersey. Um, and he he had it for like, I mean, there were so many guys going through chipping, chipping, chipping. I believe I was the guy actually who had it right before him and handed it off. And then he did, you know, three or five chips or whatever. And our coach comes flying into that locker room, all basically already screaming. In my, as I recall, like he mm-hmm. knew somehow what was going on. When he opened up the door, he was mid sentence. He was like screaming what at the- us already. And <laughs> you guys are gonna be out of here in about five minutes. Oh, and I just thank God that I handed that that club off because I think honestly that's the reason I don't have more good locker room stories is because we were just scared for like another two years after that to do anything because <laughs> we thought he'd find out and just ream us. So um, yeah, we got to ask Ike about that uh, from his perspective as he was the, I guess the official culprit of the whole, the whole matter that day. Mm-hmm. Wrong place. I also have time. a story that is not uh, about me, <laughs> but about my high school when I was a senior in high school, Mound West Tonka came to P-Town, came to Princeton um, wait, to play who? football. I think you're mispronouncing yeah, it. Yeah, what, what is that? Mound who West Tonka? Mound West There we go. There Thank we go. You. They came to P-Town for football, and after they left, nice W for P-Town, they found the locker room that Mound West Tonka was in covered in urine. They had peed in a bunch of the lockers. (laughs) No way. And it made the news. You can look it up. There's like news articles and there was a whole segment on the Minnesota news that week. That's like funny, but like you've got to feel so bad for the people that actually have to like deal with that. Like, yeah, I'm sure as a high schooler, you feel like, oh, this is going to be so great. They're fuck them for for beating us in football. Like the the two powerhouses of Princeton and Mount Rostanka. But Princeton um, quarter, quarterfinalist that year. Um, I that's wild because Lou, you hit it on the head. Like when you become when you like graduate from high school, you realize like some of the things you thought were cool, you were like, wow, that could have been like really bad. Because at least my recollection of high school was we used to be in like like you know the women's locker room. Like, so yep. if you're peeing on stuff in there, you're peeing <laughs> on like some girl's gym clothes. And guess when she gets to find out. 10 30 monday morning the <laughs> she bells doesn't have ringing another and pair, she smells yeah. like piss <laughs> that is no like fun. that is traumatic for someone too right like, oh my god you just hope she wasn't a ninth grader too because that's a tough year for a lot of girls when like the body's changing things are changing gym class becomes not cool anymore a senior you can shove it off like oh it's funny aha uh-huh. a freshman have fun being piss pants for four more years. Yeah, for the rest of your high school career. You're going tinkle toes over yeah, there. Yeah, you're going to one of the coasts for college after that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Fresh start. <laughs> that's how that's how you get kids to go out state for college. Get the hell away from all of this. That's wild though. That that's like Damn. I mean, I think that could be a some sort of criminal act. Isn't that like misdemeanor for public sure? urination? It's a because we're gonna call it a public school. I don't know. Probably Certainly not, public but. indecency. 
there were rumors flying like they're doing DNA samples. They're going to take blood from all the <laughs> classic round West Tonka players. Like probably none of that happened, but in, in the circles of P-Town High School, we were scheming up all kinds of, of investigative possibilities. Well, yeah, the you guys get were back? like, let's get the videotapes. We need all of them. We need all of them. <laughs> Was there Perverts. any any like counterattack? What are we like? You guys Counter- yeah, we actually, uh, I drove all the way down to Mount West Tonka and we peed all over just random locker. houses. You're just yeah. drinking <laughs> for from tap. a big gulp the whole way. Holding it, everyone in the car just clenching. Oh, we gotta be. <laughs> so it's gotta be great. Oh, that's that's a pretty good one. One of the ones I was thinking was more of you know when I was in high school I, I, on the hockey team, we just had like a lot of goofy little things, which I imagine are the same things Flurry's doing. Like, um, if you watch hockey, you'll see like shin pads. They get like clear tape and they'll tape them on the, the socks on the shin pads, to, like keep them up or they'll tape like their thigh to keep them up. So that that tape is like literally clear enough if you put it on wall that you can't see it on the blade of a skate. The skate. So yeah. like one thing you can do is you, if you can get a good enough seal, you can tape the bottom of their blade. So when they hit the ice, they just lose it because they have no edge. And so that was a really big one. You know, you had to make sure you got to practice early. Otherwise, somebody was going to tape the bottom of your skates. And when that happens, you, you know, you just hope you break through it as you walk to the rink. But if you don't, you're hitting the ice and you're just down, just face first into the muck. And so that's always a classic, too. And you're telling everybody, right? Like the only guy on the team that doesn't know about it is the guy who's taped, who's, whose skates are taped. So that's a classic. Another one is... What I used to do, especially to the younger guys, the good younger guys too, so they'd get really rattled, is unlace their whole skates. I actually did this in college with some shoes as well. Unlace the skates and then relace them from top to bottom. And so like (laughs) the actual tying part is on the bottom instead of like to tighten on top. So that's frustrating. There goes 15 minutes. You hope you're not late to practice because you just missed the whole first half. Hockey skates have like a million little loops and holes. Like, yeah, it's takes... also it's super funny with tennis shoes too. I did it to like five people in college, probably Lucas at least once. Yeah, I remember um, that happening to me. And I'm pretty sure to tangent off that, I'm pretty sure there was a story where uh, two of our college teammates, CK and Joe Mella, it was no, was it Cody? I don't remember. Two of our teammates, oh, one re- yeah. retied their shoes like backwards or whatever. And so the other one, in a drastic overreaction, took like all of their stuff and moved Cleared it into the portal. It moved it into like the, the urine or not the urinal, but the stall. Like literally, not in the toilet, but just like tucked <laughs> all their gear behind the stall and like come back from practice. And they're just like, where's my shit? It was the and wrong like, nobody guy. Says, nobody <laughs> says anything, right? Because we're all ride or dies in there. Like, oh, this is great. And like, they just start losing it on each other. Just drastic overreactions. Great times. So not everyone's good to pull practical jokes on, but I think that wild locker room is going to be pretty fun here down the stretch. And we'll see. It sounded like from, according to Bill Guerin, he's like, you know, I don't want to view Andre Fleury as a rental. So there's some interest from the wild side to maybe re-sign him for next year, which would be... You know, interesting, good to have two solid goaltenders. And this wild team, man, is shaping up to be what could be is something special, either this year or in the coming years. There's obviously some wagons in the NHL, one being in our division, Colorado. But it, uh, we're going to have the work cut out for us in the postseason, but definitely a strong squad. 
sidebar every week i should bring this up but this the west is such a joke the division that is the west what a joke right now the vegas knights the best team in the west aren't even in the postseason that's how scrambled everything is over there and like if the wild were in the west they'd be like three games up on first place so that's insane colorado is like 12 points ahead of the wild something like that it's it's bonkers but anyways so when you say the best team in the West isn't even the postseason, does the division winner not get a guaranteed spot in the playoffs? No, sorry. I mean, like the best talent wise, like the, the Golden Knights have easily like the best roster in the West division. I think they uh, they call it the Pacific. Last year, they called it the West. So I'll, I'll call it correctly in the Pacific division. Like the the Golden Knights is, are the best like roster and they are like in fourth or fifth in the division, which is just a pitiful sight for the rest of the league and like calgary's number one i believe and yeah it's just a mess over there the central's one of the probably one of the strongest divisions with us and the blues and obviously colorado is a wagon so it should be fun down the stretch here only about 20 games left both don't look now but the minnesota fan base has two teams potentially going into the postseason looking looking kind of sharp right now the Wolves howl are hot, hot, hot after the All-Star break, Dalt. The Target Center is like a house party right now. It's going crazy. You don't know what you're going to see on any given night. Guy getting a haircut. Side. I see everyone's Toga. taking their shoes off now. Mark Laurie's starting a revolution. I love it. It's insane. It's like the, the Target Center has been quiet for a decade, and all of a sudden... You know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, it, it really is a, a basketball community. We just haven't had anything to embrace mm-hmm. in a long right. time. And you just see people coming out of the woodwork now. Like, finally, we have a team that's fun. We have a team that's good that doesn't have Jimmy Butler on it. Like, it's just an Bingo. awesome time. And it's so much fun to see sellouts after sellout after sellout after the Target Center. So it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, the like the players are saying this is incredible. The reporters, everyone is saying it's nuts. And like, then you go to Twitter and it's like, everyone's promoting it. Like this is the project X party. Like everyone's like, get to the the target center, whatever you're doing. If you're in your backyard, in your garage, here in the basement, get loud. (laughs) It's like, I have never even seen remotely anything close to this much hype or excitement even for any Timberwolves game ever. So, and these are just like, I mean, I know they're big games, but they're just regular season games, right? So it's like, it's it's very new. It's new waters for us. Yeah, a lot of the games, like you said, they've been against like the Thunder or teams that don't typically mm-hmm. have sellouts or travel well or anything like that. So it's it's cool to see. Um, yeah. I mentioned Jimmy Butler. He was in the news this week getting in a fight basically with, with his head coach, Jimmy Butler, formerly of the Wolves, now in the Miami Heat. Get it, basically getting in like a heated argument that, almost turned into a fight with his head coach, Eric Spolstra. And it made me think we've talked about Patrick Beverly a lot on this podcast and about like what he make means to the wolves. And I feel like there are a lot of parallels with Jimmy Butler and Patrick Beverly and that they're both like sort of gritty defensive players feel like they've been overlooked their whole career, had to really like build themselves up to who they are. Um, kind of hated by, by certain people, mm-hmm. but it's crazy to me how Pat Bev is hated externally, but it's like everyone on his team loves him. 
that's you don't that's hear anyone on the yeah. team it's saying weird. anything. It's only positive. Like Pat Bev has changed our culture. He's great. Like he's he's objectively a worse player than Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler's a three-time All NBA selection, like five-time defensive team. Pat Bev three-time All Defense team, but not, like not a top fifty, even top hundred player in the league. But his teammates love him and talk about him as a culture changer. Whereas Jimmy Butler is like getting in fights with his teammates, and everywhere he goes, he has internal issues. And like, to me, both of these guys are kind of like the classic, like TV show character where it's like a girl, you're at the bar. There's like your a girlfriend will like be a little drunk. And like some guy will say something to her and she'll like poke the guy in the chest and like, my boyfriend's not going to let you talk to me like that. And like, that's Pat Bev. But then the Timberwolves, the boyfriend in this metaphor are like, all right, like I'm going to fight for my girl. Like I'm, I'm getting tough here. Whereas Jimmy Butler takes like a totally different approach and is like, pokes me like, even my wimpy ass boyfriend could beat you up. And then you're sitting there as the boyfriend, like, screw you. I'm not going to back you up. Like th- they're like the same character, but they take such different approaches where it- it's just bizarre how like Jimmy Butler is objectively better, but like his teammates, there's always friction with his teammates. Whereas Pat Bev is not as good, but his teammates talk about him. Like he's way better than Jimmy Butler actually is. I mean, you see it even like, Cat, did you see this week? I think it was with Jay Crowder, maybe getting in his face, getting chest to chest. And like, he's just coming out of his shell and he's like teaching everyone like not to take any shit from anyone just because we're on the Timberwolves. That doesn't mean anything. Like we're an NBA team too, basically. I'm all on board. It's, it's kind of funny because it feels like Pat Bev would... It feels like a player like that where he goes and he's like, I love you if you're on my team, hate you if you're off my team. It feels like a guy like that would play for one or two franchises in his career. And so then, generally speaking, the league hates him. But a guy like Pat Bev is kind of bounced around. And it's like this, it feels like the same story everywhere he goes, where like they love him until he leaves. And then they're like, oh, God, he's the worst. Like Isaiah talked about it. I know I've thought it before when he was going at it with LeBron. Like, oh, Pat Bev's such a scrub. Like, he's just, He's a menace. He's just a little thorn in the side out there. But now he's like one of us. And you're like, God, I love him. Like he, everything you would want in like just a passionate grinder. Like, you know, you talk about like blue collar teams and like representing communities. And like, I think every community thinks of themselves as blue collar regardless, except for like maybe Los Angeles or whatever. But like Pat Babs, like bring the lunch pail to work every day and so like people can just get behind that but it's funny that when he's not with you all of a sudden now you hate him and so like i mean if he keeps on this trajectory he'll play for half the league and half the franchise are going to love him half are going to hate him so it's just kind of a funny realization of like this is the epitome of that guy who you hate to play against love to play for and jimmy butler you could almost say you hate to play for him and you hate to play against him (laughs) Cause you almost like have to like him because he's like a good player, like Dalton said, and he is on your team. You're probably not paying cheap for him. So like you almost have to like him, even if you hate Jimmy Butler when he is on your team. Right. Well, I think he probably brings enough to the table, like from a solid player standpoint that as a fan, you're like, well, I guess you kind of just have to put up with some of the BS that goes along with Jimmy Butler. But I don't know. It's hard. Like we've all, we've all been there, especially Isaiah and Dalton who are diehards. Like you've been there where, man, he put us in a position where we could have been a top three seed in the West 
but then he spirals out of control and the whole whole franchise almost gets blown up overnight. So you got to take the good with the bad and hope there's more good with Jimmy Butler, which is the worst type of people. You know, everybody knows somebody like that. So now we'll move on to the Twins. Not a lot this week going on with the Twins. Kind of a quiet week after the Carlos Correa signing. Um, Royce Lewis was demoted to AAA. That was probably the biggest news. Um, not too surprising, I don't think. After after Correa was signed, it looked like Lewis will probably spend most of the season in AAA, barring some kind of injury. Um, did you guys see Correa chose the number four, so now everyone's calling him C4? I did not. Kind of a cool nickname. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Taking Dalvin's thunder. Oh right, he's he's swapping this year, right? Yeah, he's they made the change, the rule change, so he's really excited. But got beat to it. Sorry, Dalvin. He's a new superstar in town. Speaking of superstars, Buxton's looked great. Made a sweet catch the other day. Hit a bomb. He's hitting like three hundred in spring training, so he's looking good. Where we left off last year. Was that sweet catch the other day? Was that like in the first game of spring training? Uh, I don't think so. He made one very early on, I know. I'm at work and I have an ESPN notification pop up and it's like Byron Buxton makes a great play colliding with center field wall. And I'm like, that is the last thing I need out of you. For 87 games. (laughs) Somebody get bubble wrap on that guy and tell him, let it go. I know who was pitching. I don't know. Probably the 17th guy on our roster, and he's out here running into walls for the guy. Like we gotta have some spatial awareness here. Let that bounce off the wall. Let the guy Cadillac in a second. I don't need you getting injured in sprint. That's training. not how he plays yeah. the game, Connor. He gives it everything he's We're got every time this he thing steps up over he those injured. lines. But I agree. Yeah, take it running directly into the wall very early in spring training. Probably not the best thing to do with such an injury-prone man, but got to love the effort, I guess. He's playing well. Kirilov's playing well. Kirilov's hitting like 308. He's looked really good. couple doubles. No bombs yet, but he's looked nice. Um, Although I... I was getting really excited. I was looking at different spring training statistics. <laughs> Joe Ryan has looked awesome. I was like looking at his odds for rookie of the year in the AL. He's like there plus 2000. I'm like, interesting, interesting. Cause he threw two fastballs. We're recording this on Sunday. He started Sunday's game. He threw two fastballs today where the spin rate would have been the highest in the MLB for any fastball thrown last year. It was like 3000 RPMs and like 2790 or something RPMs on the two fastballs highest in the league last year was like 2740 by a fastball Trevor Bauer threw. So I was like this is something. Sticky so stuff. I'm getting all I'm getting like deep into the weeds of like Ooh, spring training this is exciting and then I was like hold on. Remember last year how we spent like four podcasts talking about Randy Dobnik who had like 20 wow. innings, you. one hit, like 28 strikeouts yeah. last, Cy Young. last spring training We're like Randy this Dobnik. dude's going to this is breakout year. Yeah, Cy Young number 2 starter. We'll see. The, the ceiling is the clouds. I don't know. And then he just had a terrible season. So I had to kind of like close my Run laptop and take a we got to come back and remember, like it's hard because it's baseball and it's starting, especially after the lockout, we started late and everything. It's hard to rein it in though. When you're like, Oh man, everybody looks great. And then you, you really got to think about, okay, well, who, who's out there? Who's playing against them right now? Who are they facing? Who's hitting against them? Who's in the field? And it's usually than- number 87, or, you know, some somebody you've never heard of and you'll never hear of again. But, you know, 
Well, and part of it too is like how seriously are other guys taking it? You know, mm-hmm. that's something you can't gauge. So you really just have to go off of assuming everyone's, you know, busting butt to make the team, regardless of if that's true or not. One thing that I saw um, kind of on the Royce Lewis point potentially is that it seems like the Twins might have um, interest in Johnny Cueto. I don't know if you guys saw any of those reports this week. Um, that'd be interesting to me, but I'm still sitting here saying I'm out on the MLB waiting for us to sign a pitcher or trade for a pitcher like we thought. If that does not get done, I'm like getting more panicked as each week goes by. I realize it's early still, but I really think they need to like secure another pitcher in the rotation that can is pretty comparable. Honestly, I don't even know if Johnny Cueto's the guy. Like he's kind of been up and down, it feels like the last two years. And maybe I'm not looking at his stats right now, but maybe he's been better than I think. But it feels like he's kind of been like an emotional roller coaster the last few years. And so I don't know if he is the guy or if he's just a if he's the guy or a guy, basically, is what I'm thinking. Here's what I'll say, Connor. A little bit of hope for you. This Korea thing came out of nowhere, right? So true. That it could happen. It might be in the Great works. Great point. Uh, that's that's just me being an optimist in this specific scenario. I'm usually not it's new for me, but trying it out, testing yeah, the water, trying it out. I uh, I feel a little uneasy, but we're gonna let it ride for today. <laughs> yeah, Cueto hasn't been great. I mean, his last three seasons, ERA five oh six, five point four, and four point oh eight last year in twenty one starts. So. Not great, but honestly, he'd be a massive upgrade yeah. against whoever's the fifth starter for the Twins because at least Cueto's going to be reliable. You're probably going to get an ERA that's in the high fours, but he's going to make 20-plus starts for you. Yeah. yeah. He's a guy and who I, knows what he's doing, too. Like, Yeah, I, and that's I, valuable because we have so many young prospects. Like, Even if he can just show them the ropes, he's like, yeah, I'm not that great, but like, here's how a guy who has a 15-year MLB career, career goes about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I still think though, if they sign Quito, like we still need to sign a player who's like a top of the end rotation. Whereas, like he sounds yeah. like he'd be any quality, any quality rotation. He might be a four or five starter for them at this point in his career. It'd be nice. Again, we've always we always say this of it'd be nice for the Twins to sign somebody who's like a one or a two, you know, just to give Kenta some support and um, and Ryan some support up at the top of the rotation potentially. Yeah, because now because Kenta is going to be out probably till September or maybe late August at the most optimistic because of his elbow stuff. So oh, yeah, it's gonna it's yeah. gonna be be dicey for sure. But Connor, could you explain how this was related to Royce Lewis? You said this was oh, Royce. Yeah, Royce yeah Lewis. because because I think there were reports of him being involved in those trades, like a trade ah. for a top end pitcher. So yeah, I did not connect those dots, but that's why I was saying. Connected to Royce Lewis. For Johnny Cueto, I don't know if I'm in on that. I don't think for Johnny Cueto, but I mean, he's he's one of those prospects that, piece, yeah. that would make sense to trade for the, the Twins, probably, if you could get a decent pitcher back. Because like we had talked about in previous episodes, like he's his stock feels like it's sinking. Him getting sent to AAA doesn't feel like a great, um, great piece. As I think last at the beginning of last year, I think we all would have said he might be our starting shortstop next year if they mm-hmm. get him up at the end of the season and then start this season. Obviously, with Correa, it changes the game. But Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to transition to a general baseball question that I've been thinking of. So with the elimination or with the addition of the DH, the elimination of pitchers hitting in the NL, the AL and NL are now playing the same brand of baseball. So 
however far back we've gone, there's always been an AL MVP, an NL MVP, an AL Cy Young, an NL Cy Young. Because it, you couldn't make a direct comparison between the statistics of the two leagues, so it made sense to award each league its own awards. Now that all the leagues, all the teams are playing the same brand of baseball for all 162 games, do we feel like there should still be AL and NL awards? Because baseball is the only sport that has two separate MVP awards, football, basketball, hockey. There's all just like one MVP, one best goaltender, best offensive player, best whatever for the league. How do we feel about MLB continuing to award separate MVPs, separate Cy Youngs for the different leagues? Do we have a take? Um, I mean, right away, like my gut just says, like, no, there should be two because there always there's always been two, and but because uh, I've never ever thought about the possibility of the DH being actually in both. But I think now that you mention it, it makes yeah. What's the point of having two? Because there could you could argue right away like, oh, there's so many guys, there's so many players. But look at the NFL. There's like a million players in the NFL. There's one guy, right? So I'm all for the the one MVP. Yeah, it's a point that, like, without you bringing it up, Dalt, I never really would have thought of that. But when we have, when we have, you know, the leagues playing essentially the same style of baseball now, and like with the same rules, really, it, it, to me, it feels like why have two MVPs? To me, it feels like you know they the NFL where they have like you know this player of the year and that player of the year, and you know there's like seventeen different awards for like the top guys. It's just to me, it, it feels like it saturates and waters down the the pool of like, oh, how important it is to be an MVP. And in the past, I guess it made sense. But still, like to me, I feel like going to one, this is the perfect opportunity to be like, this is the best pitcher in the game. This is the best hitter or position player or combination of the two in the game. I bet the argument could be that like, you know, you're playing, you're still playing the AL way more than you're playing the NL. But I think the counter to that's probably, which I would say is like, isn't that similar in every sport? Like, aren't you only kind of playing your own half of the league more often than the other half? So I feel as though one, one MVP, one Cy Young, all the awards should be cut down to like one version of it. I'm sure the players are going to, would push against that because sure they have massive bonuses if they win MVP yeah. or finish top, whatever in the MVP voting. Uh, one note on MLB schedules is starting next year, the 2023 season, all teams will play every team in the other league. So the Twins will have at least one series against every NL team each season, which is kind of cool. Series? Did you say? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rare, you know, that you like when's the last time the Twins play like the Padres or whatever. Like it's once every maybe 3-4 years. So mm-hmm. starting in the 23 season, every team will have at least one series against every other team. So that'll, that'll be fun. Just to like see new faces at target field. You might get to go and watch someone who you typically wouldn't get to see more than once every three years. So maybe that will be the point where they can yeah. sort of start getting rid of these league specific awards, because then like Connor mentioned, there'll be more crossover where mm-hmm. AL and NL are playing each other more. Yeah, that's really, that's really, I didn't know that. That's kind of interesting. I wonder how that, um, I don't know what the word is, how that changes their like divisional schedule and their, you know, league schedule. Like, are we going to be playing less games against our divisional opponents or do we just drop off a few series against, you know, the East and the, and the West, Do you know, Dalton, or that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know where those games are coming from. 
it's kind just, of a catch 22 because I could definitely watch less of like the Royals and the guardians games. Cause those are really boring franchises, but at the same time, they're also bad teams. So it's, it's yeah, kind it's like, do you win, want more yeah. exciting baseball or more wins? I, I don't know yeah. as a twins fan. That is for sure. All right. Lastly, let's talk about our Vikes. So this offseason, it feels like it's been a quarterback carousel around the league. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like this season more than any, there's been a lot of QB movement and it, in the Vikings favor, it seems like a lot of the talent has either stayed in the AFC or gone to the AFC. Russ went to the AFC going from Seattle to Denver. Deshaun Watson stayed in the AFC going to, to the Browns. So we were thinking, where does Kirk fall now on the NFC QB spectrum? Cause you could maybe argue that he's top three. You could maybe do that if you're in the cult of Kirk, as some of you are. So Connor, I'll throw it to you. If you had to rank Kirk among NFC quarterbacks, just the NFC ones, where does he fall? I put him at um, five is where I put him at top five quarterback in the NFC. Um, In no particular order, I would have one and two be A-Raj and Tom Brady. So in order. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, no, meaning like... I don't have that in order for those one and two. Okay. No, but it's those two. (laughs) Those two are like the top two. Yeah. But then, and then no order for the next two, which I have Dak and Kyler Murray. Ooh. And then I have, oh, sorry, Dak and Matt Stafford. Okay. Yep. And then after, and number five, I have, um, Kirk and then I would say Kyler is like six for me and then um I don't know I I went Matt Ryan seven so those are kind of like or he's on the Colts now oh yeah another another goner NFC's weak yeah the NFC is weak so so I'm just doing a top six there's no other relevant quarterbacks in the NFC so um what about you yeah unfortunately for the sake of changing things up but I'm exactly the same. I had him at five, maybe six. Uh, Rodgers and Brady definitely still at the top. Um, then I go Stafford and, and Prescott. And um, I think Kirk is right there with those guys, maybe just a little behind him based on the rankings. I was really thinking about him and Kyler, and I was like, ooh, I would maybe rather have Kyler. And then I was like, He's really short for one. Nothing is short, guys, but in the NFL, it really helps to be a taller quarterback. And um, I think what I was like really leaning towards with Kyler Murray is just he's way more athletic than Kirk Cousins. And like he's just the dual threat. And I think like that wouldn't necessarily fit super well into our offense. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with Kirk. Um, but yeah, just looking at the rest of the NFC, Falcons have nobody now that Matt Ryan's gone or no one that I care about. Um, Panthers, uh, who is it? Sam Darnold still? Bust. Oh, yeah. Um, Bust. I guess one guy we haven't really talked about is Justin Fields, young, unproven. He might, I don't consider him to be that high yet, but he might be good someday. Uh, I hope not very soon, but um, we all know how I feel about who's the guy for the uh, the Chargers. No, excuse me, the Lions. Do you know who you would even talk That's about? Do you know Jared how you feel Goff. about this Thank person? You. I was just trying to buy yeah, some time. Say Jared Goff. Jared Goff's one of the, he's like, he's a hard one to place. Because when you go to Denver, 
it just gets or sorry when you go Detroit? to Detroit, it just gets a lot harder to like accurately assess how good somebody is. Like Matt, right. Matt Stafford feels like the perfect example. Like get around the right people and you become exponentially better. I mean, yeah, is it just the Rams and like Sean McVay because Goff got to the Super Bowl, lost, but got to the Super Bowl. Dalt, what do you have? In particular order, oh, okay. I have Aaron Rodgers at first, Tom Brady two, Matt Stafford three, Dak Prescott four, Kyler Murray five, Jimmy Garoppolo six. Jimmy. Ooh. And then among the pool of Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz, I flipped a three-sided coin and it came up Kirk Cousins. Carson so I've got Kirk Wentz. seventh in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, just obviously top two. League of Matt Stafford, yeah. been good his whole career, fighter, Super Bowl champ. Dak Prescott, I think, is very good. Kyler Murray, future of the NFL is mobile quarterbacks. He was an MVP for the first half of last season. I think he's electric. Jimmy G, dude just wins. He had more yards per attempt, better QBR than Kirk last year with worse weapons. More wins last season in the playoffs than Kirk's had in his entire career. And so I think he's got a leg face. up on Kirk. Look at that face on Jimmy and G. He's the right? Italian Come stallion. On. I think for and me, then Kirk falls in there. I think for me, like I don't the Kyler Murray, I think he will be better, but I don't think he is right now. Like that's the thing, is like he played really well at the first half of the season and then they figured him out, and then he sucked really in the second half. Like he was bad. So I think that's the thing is like he'll get over that hump, but I don't think he's there yet. So I, I like I have yeah, no beef this, with year with three. him being above, with him being above Kirk. I don't really have an issue, but I I just feel like he's not there yet. If you're like I'm drafting a team today, I will take Kyler over Kirk though. That's fair because he's gonna be around a lot longer, pending injuries because he's like four eleven and he runs and gets hit a lot. But um, and then uh, yeah, Jimmy G just totally disagree they have a, such a different team and a way better team surrounding them the less weapons is kind of a fraudulent thing to say when their defense is a weapon in itself so but you know agree to disagree on that one you're wrong but that's all right i struggled i was like should i put carson wentz above Kirk? Oh, i would have i would have chimed in as a heavy Kirk guy there that if you said carson wentz is better than Kirk cousins but I didn't. I just thought about it. it, it was not a crime. Thinking's not a crime. I, I'll tell you what, though. Carson Wentz, we'll learn a lot about him in the next two seasons playing in the worst division of football. Like, he, he, he could legit come onto the scene. Like, it's not a bad move by the Redskins. Right exactly. now, you'd oh. be insane to have to say he's better than Kirk Cousins. But in two years, like, I don't know, with, with a decent Redskins defense and the, a, horrible, a horrible division, yeah, never know. We'll really be able to compare it because we can compare it to Kirk's early years in in Washington, right? Well, I think Washington might be better now than they were, but maybe not. Probably comparable. Decent numbers actually in Washington. I never really looked at that until we got them, but they were decent. Yeah, just doesn't win. Same thing, just doesn't win. Like Mm. that's that's his beef. That's his issue. That's why Dalton put Jimmy G ahead. Like those are facts. He's won more in the postseason. And it's not even close. I'm glad that we're not in the AFC though. I mean, if you put it's Kirk in the, if you rank Kirk among AFC quarterbacks, he might be like eleven or twelve. 
that's for another pod for another pod so lou you have a couple of points you wanted to make a couple things going on in quasi land yep i will say it again i've said it in the group chat can't remember if we said it on here but quasi is looking like a wizard I mean, we go from everyone's talking about the Vikings have no cap space. What are we going to do? The cap is going to be this huge issue. All of a sudden, Kirk's got way too much money. Guess what? They extend him, pay him more money, but somehow work in some special cap thing that give us enough money to pay Zadarius Smith, who is, in my mind, a superstar. He is going to be an awesome addition. Um, also, five other notable free agents already um and we're not even to the draft yet so i'm really excited um i think like quasi is doing a phenomenal job of like making his mark like he's not just here to sit around and be like oh well we can we'll figure it out you know everything will happen um but he's like kind of taking the bull by the horns and just kind of getting to work which i i really it makes me encouraged for the season makes me very hopeful um it's not a rebuild that's for sure yeah, not yeah, every seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, six six new guys coming in already. The first one I mentioned is the Darius Smith. Uh, I know we've talked about him a little bit in the group chats, but he's I I genuinely think if both him and Daniel Daniel Hunter are like a hundred percent healthy, I think they might be the best rushing combo in pass rushing combo in the NFL. They are going to be so dangerous. Um, and like, I mean, what do you do? Like you have to block both of those guys with five guys and then, you know, that take two each. And then like, I'll take my chances with the other two. Like, I think we're D line is going to be massively overhauled, which is going to be awesome. Um, Sticking on the D line, Harrison Phillips is coming in to replace Michael Pierce, who was kind of a letdown after two, basically just one season with us. Um, I wouldn't, consider Phillips a standout or a stud by any means, but he should do the job. Um, he's got 12 starts in the last few years out of his 45 games of experience. And, uh, he has played in five playoff games, which I liked with Buffalo. So, um, just another more experienced guy who knows, you know, what it's like to, to get to the playoffs and, and kind of get things done. So excited about him as well. Um, one guy I'm really up in the air about um chandon sullivan another green bay packer um he was undrafted in 2018 with the eagles and he's only played in 21 games of his 54 eligible in the nfl um but 10 of those coming last year but for green bay so um he's kind of a gritty guy it sounds like uh he's very very athletic um they're talking about how like insane his vertical is um <clears throat> And I think I do kind of like the fact that he was undrafted. So he's got that little chip on his shoulder and like trying to really work hard to prove himself. Um, so I'm really hoping that works out. Both him and Smith are getting reunited. I don't know why this matters a ton, but they're getting reunited with uh, Pat Patine is one of the new assistant head coaches. He was, uh, he was with the Packers for a few years. So both those guys have experience with him. Um, Dalt, did you have something? Is the non-Smith guy, I don't even remember his name, Chandler Van is Chandon he, is he, Sullivan. Sully. He's a cornerback? Is he like a slot corner? What is he doing for us? I believe he's like uh 
I don't know. I've I've tried looking. They they didn't have much about him on uh on the Vikes website. They just a secret weapon. One yeah, of his keeping top... them close to the chest. On yeah. That. So I, I, you never know with cornerbacks, honestly. Um. So I hope he works out. Um. And a couple more guys. I'll just run through quick. Uh, Austin Schlotman from coming from the Broncos. Uh, forty-two games he's played in, only seven starts though. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be upset about just trying to bolster the offensive line with with more free agents. Uh, sounds like he's got some experience. And both our offensive line coach and our assistant offensive line coach came from Denver and have worked with him. So they must think he's decent enough to to bring in. Is he a guard? Uh, guard and center. So probably mm. a guard. Uh, then the last two, um, another guy that's, kind of meh johnny munt m-u-n-d-t is a tight end uh we're gonna need to bleep that (laughs) yeah that's a slur i think you just said um moving on uh tight end i played for la the la rams with kevin o'connell the last few seasons uh tore his acl after six games last year so didn't contribute a whole lot and sounds like he was mostly a blocking tight end so not a real flashy signing by any means, but because uh, we lost Conklin, Conklin's right? gone. I believe he went to the. I want to say he went to the dead. Jets. Oof, good uh, as dead. Yeah, <laughs> if he actually went to the Jets, yeah. Why would you ever? Um. So yeah, hopefully Irv Smith comes back. And we're good, but always helpful to have like an established tight end in the league too, as we found out. And last but not least, uh, kind of an older signing now, but Jordan Hicks from the Arizona Cardinals, kind of an Iron Man in terms of the linebacking. Um, really good, strong linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he started all 49 games in the last three seasons, uh, including well, he started 51 straight games, and uh, he has started 89 of 92 career games. So, Really solid guy. I uh, had 117 tackles last year, and they're saying he's going to be a really good compliment next to Eric Kendricks next year. So honestly, he sounds a lot like Eric Kendricks. So basically to have two of those guys is going to be fantastic, I think. Who is he going to be replacing? Uh, the speculation I've heard is they will likely not bring Anthony Barr back, especially now that mm-hmm. uh, they have Zadarius Smith as well, because they've been saying with this potential three, four new defense uh, Barr was, you know, he did that in college. He was kind of a stand up edge rusher a lot of the time. So now with Smith Hunter and Hicks Barr will likely be out and they'll won't have to pay him as much. So they'll have, they'll bring, I don't know who else in. So you're my football guys, both of you two. Looking forward, we'll be doing the mini market mock here in a couple weeks. But in the draft, where are the Vikings' main needs like remaining? I know D-end was a huge need, but with the Smith signing, it might not be anymore. Where are the huge holes that they're going to need to address in the first couple rounds? Yeah. Um, one thing off that real quick, it just reminded me of everyone was, well, the anti-Kirkers were up in arms about Reese doing his extension, everyone saying, Oh no, we need a lineman. We need a cornerback. We need an edge rusher. Well, Kwesi went and did the extension. He's got two of them now, supposedly with Sullivan. We'll see, but I would say, um, definitely still O line and then secondary defensive secondary would be my two big, big areas of concern. Yeah. I could see them like in the third or fourth round trying to draft a wide receiver to be like a solid wide receiver three, 
Um, not that I don't think we have three decent wide receivers, but <clears throat> that seems the direction. But yeah, I agree with Lou. I think it's it's O line. You could the hard thing is like I feel like the positions where you like take a shot and miss a lot are gonna be O line, secondary, and wide receiver. Like there's just for whatever reason, those guys are like flip a coin. And we've experienced that with like, you know, having Xavier Rhodes being really good top of the league for a few years and then falling off and Trey Wayne starting pretty bad. And then at the end of his Vikings tenure, he kind of was a pretty serviceable DB. So it was like We'll see what we can get if we go DB or O line, but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think those are the biggest question marks. Um, I think you could draft a DB in every round and hope that three of them work out, and that'd be the best case scenario for us. But um, obviously, that's unrealistic and and sarcastic. Do either of you have a name that a guy you really like that you'd like the Vikes to take in the first round that you want to tease? Haven't I even haven't, haven't even looked at the the draft list yet, to be quite honest. I've seen one mock draft that had us taking Olave from Ohio State, a wide receiver, and I was just like, that would be a, such a mistake. Like, why? I wonder if they were like, consider it like at that point, they were like, oh, then they'll trade Thielen or something just to replace him. Yeah, it could. Feels like you're just taking an unproven like, yeah, guy. I agree. Like, I rid of a proven guy, but it, it might, it could work out. Like, he was, yeah, a stud in college, but. Yeah, I don't know if I, I... I would be pretty pissed if they took a wide receiver in the first round. All right, well, that does it for this week's three-man weave. Hopefully, Isaiah will be back next week. I hope he learned his lesson. Do not talk back to your parents, or you will get grounded no matter how old you are. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at MinimarketPod, and we'll be back next week. Go Wolves. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.